Thank you for checking out the Detroit Church Podcast. We're a growing community in the heart of the city, and we exist to awaken Detroit to the greatest adventure of all time. Although the pandemic causes us to adjust our methods, our message stays the same. God, through Jesus, is making all things new. There's a story of a prostitute, or lady of the night, if you will. She is walking down the road and is solicited by two young men in a car. She gets in the car and realizes that she recognizes one of the men. Aren't you that preacher I watch on TV? Not tonight, he says. They took her to a motel in the area, had their fun with her, left her her money, and went on their way. The next day was Sunday, and so the preacher got up early to prepare for service. And right before the service started, he notices the same woman he picked up on the street walk into the sanctuary. He panics. He thinks that she's here to out him or tell on him or embarrass him in front of his members. He calls over one of his staff members and says, you see that woman over there? I think she's a lady of the night. I think I've seen her out on the road before. The staff member says, yeah, pastor, she looks the part. That staff member went on to one of the deacons and said something similar. And that deacon went to some of the church mothers and said something similar. And pretty soon, this entire church is scoffing and judging this young lady. And by the time the church service started, most of the seats were filled, but the seats next to the young lady were empty. People avoided her. They shamed her, they talked about her, and the pastor even participated in this, even though he was an enthusiastically willing participant just the night before. Self-righteousness is one of those things that is easy to spot in other people, but very rarely do we see it in ourselves. This pastor is attempting to shame her for her occupation as if he did not participate in her occupation. And the church members are attempting to shame her as if they have never sinned themselves. We're about to read from John chapter 8, which contains a very similar story to the one you just heard. John chapter 8, starting in verse 1, says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman, so what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the ground. There's a few things I want to point out regarding these verses. Verse 2 says that Jesus was teaching in the temple. So when the scribes brought this woman and put her in the midst, this is the equivalent of them disrupting a church service in the middle of a sermon. The scribes and the Pharisees don't really respect Jesus. So when they call him teacher, they are actually mocking him. And let's be clear, the point of them bringing this woman into their midst had nothing to do with the woman. She was just caught in the crossfire. The purpose of them bringing this woman before Jesus was an attempt to trap him between two sets of laws. They say to him, the law commands that we stone this woman, but what say you? Now if Jesus tells them not to stone this woman, he is then breaking the law of Moses 
and can be cited as a heretic in front of all of these people. If Jesus says this, this would be the equivalent of a pastor contradicting the Bible in front of a church service. Because that never happens. On the other side, if he says, go ahead and stone this woman to death, he is then violating Roman law, which does not allow someone to solicit an execution without the approval of Rome. The Pharisees really thought they had him this time. There's a few more points I want to bring out. The law of Moses clearly stated that the punishment for adultery was death. This was an open and shut case. They could have easily just taken this woman to the courts, had her put to death. There was no reason to bring her to the temple. There was no reason to get the opinion of a rabbi. And the parties involved knew this. Scribes are also called lawyers. They are experts in Mosaic law. They knew this was completely unnecessary because its sole purpose was to try to trap Jesus. That woman to them was completely expendable. If you take another look at verse 4, it says that she was caught in the act of adultery. Now, my mama always said, it takes two to tango. She wasn't caught by herself. I don't think you can adulterate with yourself. Yet they don't bring the man, showing that they are not truly interested in justice because justice would demand that both parties be punished by death. They have self-righteously thrown this woman before Jesus in an attempt to trap him. These scribes and Pharisees are trying to incriminate an innocent man while simultaneously pretending that they are seeking true justice. And they continue to ask, what do we do? What should we do, Jesus? What's going on? What do we do? What do you have to say about this? What's your opinion of this? What's your opinion? Hey, 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 hey. And as they continue to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to cast a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus' response is genius. He's not breaking Roman law. He's not breaking Mosaic law. He's not letting them kill this woman, but he's also pointing out open hypocrisy and self-righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. They brought this woman before him. They labeled her. They didn't call her by her name. They identified her by her sin. Maybe you've been there. Maybe something you've done has led people to believe that your sin is just part of your identity. That because you've committed this act, whether you've committed it once or a hundred times, that is who you are to them. Or maybe you've been on the other side. Maybe you've been the one pointing the finger. Maybe you've been the one labeling someone else by their sin. Jesus has a very unique perspective in this passage. Verse 10 says, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus says, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Notice, Jesus never says what you did was okay, or what you did was excusable, or it wasn't that big of a deal, or it's not that bad. No. He acknowledges the sin, but clearly loves the sinner. He said, I'm not going to condemn you for it. It is sin, but I'm not going to condemn you for it. 
And let's also point out that Jesus is the only person present who had the right to throw any stones. He could have thrown it at her. He could have thrown it at the Pharisees. He could have thrown it at everyone he was teaching in the temple. Jesus had the right because he was the only one without sin. Yet, he chooses not to. It's kind of funny how that works. The people who don't have the right to throw stones are armed and ready with their rocks. Yet the one who has the right chooses to show mercy and grace and love. But the other thing he does in this passage is he gives her something that we've all been in need of. A second chance. He says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't just see the woman as an adulterer. He didn't see her and identify her by her sins. He saw a future for her. He saw her potential. And when God looks at her, he saw the price that Jesus was going to pay on the cross. He gave her a second chance. He said, go and sin no more. I am letting you out of this condemnation and I am giving you an opportunity to do better. What if we did the same? to our brothers and sisters who have fallen, who have messed up, who have done things that we deem as unspeakable? What if we treated them the same way that Jesus has treated us? Because in the same moment we are pointing the finger, we forget we're not innocent. We forget that the same God came down and put human flesh on and died for all of us at the same time. He didn't pay more for some and less for others. He didn't get a discount on your salvation because you were so good. No, we were all sinners. It seems that in this moment, the scribes and the Pharisees forgot that. They forgot that they weren't innocent. It says in the text that the older ones left first and then the younger ones left. And many theologians believe that the older Pharisees and scribes left first because they had more sin to remember. They knew who they were, they knew what they had done, and they knew they had no right to stone this woman. If you're watching this today and you are one of those people that has identified others by their sin, I encourage you to read this passage. I encourage you to take that love that Jesus gave you and give it to someone who needs it. Give it to someone who is weighed down by the weight of their sin. Someone who deserves condemnation just like you. Or maybe you're the person that's wearing the label of your mistakes. I want you to know that there is a second chance in Jesus. Jesus is saying to you today, drop your life of sin. Go and sin no more. This is your second chance. I'm not condemning you for what you've done. And I don't identify you as what you've done. I identify you as the person I created you to be. I see your future. And I see, most of all, my sacrifice that my son paid on the cross. Many of us walk through life wearing these labels and believing that we are not worthy of his love. But that's not up to you. That's up to him. He decided you were worthy. He decided that you were worth dying for. And so I ask you today to accept his love and embrace his love. You don't have to walk around with all those labels. You don't have to walk around with all that pain and shame and guilt. You can walk around as a child of God. You are someone Christ died for. Go 
and take your second chance. Thank you for listening to the Detroit Church Podcast. We'd love you to subscribe, like, and rate. And if you're not already, you can follow us on social media by searching for Detroit Church. We want to let you know about a 24-hour prayer and gratitude hotline for essential workers and those affected by COVID-19. If you or someone you know could benefit from some prayer, encouraging words, or a listening ear, please call or text 313-637-5050. You are seen and loved by God and us.